HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network, coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 22nd. This is my third show of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, I will be chatting with a hospitality attorney, and as I do on every episode, I will have my PR tip, speed round questions, restaurant news discussion, Solo Dining Experience of the Week, and the final question. So as your host and the founder of, and president of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the, of the week. Today's tip is to be aware. So what do I mean by that? Well, simply, it's good to know what's going on in the industry. Read the papers and the blogs and magazines so you understand what's hot and trending may give you a new idea or an opportunity for press. You never know. Get on Twitter and Instagram. Follow interesting culinary people. There's a lot of them out there, and you'll learn a lot, and you might create some new friends, too. And finally, dine out. See what else is going on in other restaurants. What works, what doesn't work. It's also really great to support your colleagues, as I'm sure you know. So be aware. Okay, my guest today is Joseph Levy, a partner of Helbron, Levy, and O'Donoghue LLP, Attorneys at Law, a full-service law firm focused on the legal and licensing needs of New York's bar and restaurant industry. Prior to joining the firm in 2008, Joseph owned and operated a management company that represented professional athletes in the sport of mixed, art, mixed martial arts and boxing. Joseph now leads the firm's licensing practice and, and is in charge of all of its New York State Liquor Authority and other licensing matters. Joseph's primary 
area of expertise is New York State alcohol beverage control law. He regularly attends local community board meetings on behalf of the firm's clients, and he also handles all permit applications. Joseph is admitted to practice in New York and New Jersey. So welcome. Hi. Hey, Sherry. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming out here today. It's, it's great to meet you and have you here on the show. Likewise. And I think what, what your firm does is amazing that you have this specialty in working with restaurants. Because like myself, I do PR mostly for restaurants. And it's a specialty. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm very curious to learn more about the day-to-day and what you do. So can you tell me a little about the firm? Sure. So um, I'll give you a little background to start, and then we'll kind of take it Perfect. to um, to today. <clears throat> so this firm was uh, founded in 2005 by David Helbron, who's not feeling well at the moment, so get better soon. Yes, feel better. We miss seeing you today. David actually attended law school years ago, went through the whole law school and bar experience and realized that he couldn't stand lawyers and probably didn't want to be one. So he moved back to New York and got back into the industry that he had experience in and he loved, and that was the restaurant business. Started working at a coffee shop, cafe in Midtown. Eventually um, came into a role as a general manager at that location and bought out his boss. He then took that one location, rolled it out into about six or seven throughout the city, and uh, really learned a ton about not only starting his own business, but also opening a food establishment in New York City, which is incredibly difficult, and scaling it to have multiple locations. The short story is he sold it to a manager of his, who's still a client of our firm's today. That says a lot. And, uh, and realized that he had so much more to offer than just owning a coffee shop. So he eventually wanted to practice for himself with this idea of being an attorney for not only entrepreneurs, but people in the food service business. And coming from that background, he had a very unique perspective that uh, a lot of people who are looking to get into that field are really receptive to. He ran that on his own for a few years uh, and then met me pretty much by chance. I won't bore you with that whole story. But, um, but I'm curious how you went from mixed martial arts to law, <laughs> hospitality law. Um, I had this business that I started while I was in law school. I took on a partner uh, that probably was a bad idea. That went south pretty quickly. I had to walk away from that, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I looked at all the jobs that were out there and all the interviews I was going on, and I couldn't imagine doing any of that all day, every day. So myself also, I have a restaurant background and a retail background. My dad owns a hardware store in Midtown and always has. Growing up, I used to work there from when I was you know, two years old, separating nails and screws, to when I got much older and I was working the counter and managing the store. So I also had that entrepreneurial fire and that uh, hospitality and customer service background. And I pretty much cold called David one day, weaseled myself an interview, quick conversation turned into a three and a half hour talk about how we might be able to work together. And eventually we decided that he was going to give me an opportunity to kind of create my own business and see how we work together and we take it from there. If it worked out well, we'd partner up and start to do some pretty cool stuff. If not, we'd part ways and that would be that. So needless to say, it worked out well. 
and that was about six years ago. Right now, we have 10 people total in the office, so we've grown quite a bit since then, and we've really focused what it is that we do. And today, we are a law firm that focuses on the bar and restaurant business, and we bill ourselves as a one-stop shop, which is incredibly convenient for clients and potential clients of ours, because you don't have to think about which lawyer do I call for this or for that, and you have to pay for all your lawyers to talk to each other. We're all under one roof, and we all do different things. So David handles a lot of the corporate work, the leases, the investor agreements, things like that. I do all the licensing, your liquor authority, health department, sidewalk cafe, cabaret. And we have a litigation unit as well, uh, which is headed up by our third partner, Kevin O'Donohue. And, you know, like it or not in this business, you're going to need a litigator at some point, whether it's because you get into it with your landlord over what rent is due or not, whether you get into it with a partner, you have a, a bad experience with a partner, which happens, unfortunately, or if you have a bad issue with a customer or with a vendor, something like that. So it's good to know that you have that person in your corner if you, if you need to kind of let them out of the cage, so to speak, and, and really kind of attack for you. So that's, that's kind of, in a nutshell, what we do. We like to be a one-stop shop, and we can really do everything for people. I think it's fabulous. It's a great setup. And what are some of the restaurants you're working with now? Um, we have about, I'd say, over 1,000 restaurant and wow. bar clients throughout the city. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a couple. and We're, we're here in Brooklyn, so I'll... I'll give you a lot of Brooklyn guys. Um, we work with Andrew Tarlow, so Marlow and Sons Diner, Achilles. Um, we work with the Dos Toros guys who just opened a place down on Bedford. They have four locations. Mighty Quinn's Barbecue, Delaney Barbecue, Torst, um, Buttermilk Channel, Little Neck, Royal Palm Shuffleboard Club. Now, Royal Palm, I talked about this with David. My old camp friend, Ashley Albert, is the owner there. <laughs> yes. So everything comes full circle, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Small world. I actually just held a, uh, well, they were nice enough to uh, open the doors before it's open to the public for me this past weekend to celebrate my birthday. Oh, awesome. I can't wait to check it out. It looks, she's so fun. I know the place is going to be really fun. Her and Jonathan both. They're great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And that's a lot of Brooklyn clients. And I know you also opened an office in Philadelphia, right? We did. We did um, about three or four months ago. Mm -hmm. And how's that going? Pretty good. It's a, it's a totally different market than New York. So um, whereas we're used to the New York pace of things, um, we're still getting acclimated to how things are done down there. We've met a lot of great people. We've made a lot of great contacts. And um, we're just trying to solidify things down there. Well, it's it's not that far away. I think that's, you know, a, I think from talking to David, one of the reasons you opened a second branch there as far as what cities you picked to expand to, um, it's, uh, it's, it's almost as easy to get to as Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we think that what we do is really interesting, and we all love it, and we think that there's a need for a firm like us in all the major food cities. And, um, you know, if that's the goal, if you're going to roll this thing out across the country, it makes sense to start with a second location that's close enough to get to same day if you had to. Um, and Philly made sense. Yeah, well, very good. Okay, so I know your specialty is licenses. So let's talk a little bit about licenses and permits for restaurants. What's, uh, 
what's the process like? Uh, I, from my standpoint, it always seems that a restaurant gets delayed or in opening a lot of times because of getting these permits and licenses. And I don't know the details. So tell me, tell me why that is. Sure. Um, you're right. And you're right about the delay with licenses. Um, 50% of the time, that's the truth. And the other 50% of the time, there's some other delay that's causing the delay with the license. But it's just easier to say that I don't have my liquor license yet or something like that. Um, you have a bunch of licenses that you need potentially. In reality, if you're going to serve food or beverage to the public, you really just need your New York City Department of Health food service establishment permit. You need that, and you need your New York um, State Certificate of Authority to collect sales tax. With those two things, you can open for business. If you want liquor or wine or beer, obviously, there's a liquor license component, which is a state license. Uh, if you want a cabaret, if you're going to have dancing or you know, live amplified music, you need a cabaret license. That's another city agency, the Department of Consumer Affairs, that would control that. Um, if you want a sidewalk cafe, that's the seating outside. That's also the Department of Consumer Affairs. That's another license that you need. And then you always hear about the food protection certificates, your food handlers, permits, things like that. And that's not something that you need necessarily as an owner, but certainly something that we always encourage. You need to have someone on site at all times who has that. It could be a cook, a chef, really a busboy, a server. As long as one person's on site with that, you're good to go. So it really depends on which of these licenses you need. Um, the Department of Health permit, which everyone needs, uh, it's a pain in the neck. It's not a very difficult permit application or a difficult process, but the city doesn't really make it easy to file these. So a lot of times you'll have to go back and forth a lot of times because a period is out of place or you know, there's a misspelling somewhere and they don't give you wow. any latitude. Really nitpicking. Very, very nitpicky and that's what makes it difficult. Um, but generally you don't see a lot of places held up because they're Department of Health license. The liquor license is usually the, uh, the culprit when yeah. people are are talking about that. That's what I thought. And the liquor, it seems, is harder to get than the wine and beer. It is. It's um, A wine and beer license is probably the easiest of the different kinds of licenses to get. Um, the standard's pretty low um, in terms of the actual license itself. When you bump up to liquor, you now have to think about whether there are schools or churches within 200 feet. And if there are three or more places that are serving full liquor, you have an additional burden to meet of showing that you serve the public interest. Beer and wine license, you could be right next door to a church. You don't really have to show everything, anything. There's a presumption that you're going to get the license if you qualify as an individual and the space is owned properly. Very interesting. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to Cry and Blues by the California Honey Drops on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. Hi, welcome back. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. My guest today is Joseph Levy of Helbron, Levy, and O'Donohue, and we're talking hospitality law. Okay, so Joseph, I wanted to find out a little more about the local community board meetings that you attend, because I've actually, I've actually thought about attending myself when I read about it on Eater, the story after, and I was like, that would be interesting to go, yet I have not yet, so <laughs> tell me about that experience well it is an experience that's for that's for sure um you know there are so many different community boards throughout all five boroughs that it's hard to to lump them all together but the ones that you read about in eater and the other publications are generally manhattan two and three and brooklyn one um those are the ones that get why is that um i think it has to do mostly with the concentration uh, of of places and liquor licenses combined with um, people who have lived in those neighborhoods a long time that have some quality of life concerns with more and more restaurants and bars coming into their neighborhoods. So Community Board 3 is probably the, the most notorious. Um, what, what district or area is that? So that's uh, Manhattan's Lower East Side, East Village, and Chinatown. Well, it's probably very active. There's a lot going on in that neighborhood. Very active. Um, those meetings are, you know, second Monday of every month, and they generally start around 6.30, and they could go until 1 or 2 in the morning. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have to clear my, my schedule the second uh, Monday of every month. But, um, you know, it's, it's a process, and it takes as long as it takes. Um, you know, the applicants have to come in and, it's essentially a meet and greet with the neighborhood folks and you have to show the people in the neighborhood who you are, what your concept is, what you want to do. And you have to be pretty specific with what your method of operation is going to be. The more specific you are, um, you know, the better people feel about it, the better people feel like it's an idea that you've actually thought about as opposed to came up with, you know, with your buddy one night on the back of a cocktail napkin. And at the end of the day, they have to trust that, you're someone who will be responsible with the privilege to serve alcohol in their community. Yeah, well, it makes sense. I think I, I'm going to have to go one day just to see it for myself. You should. You have to go to a good one, though. Well, you'll have to advise me on what's, what a good one is. Maybe I'll just go with you when you have your next, your next board meeting and see what that's about. Okay, so last week I had on Arlene Spiegel of Arlene Spiegel and Associates, and I asked her to ask a question. Um, well, it was for David, but you're here in his place, so it's for you. Mm-hmm. The question is a loaded question. It's, um, please list the top 10 things restaurants need to know so they don't get sued. All right. How about we make that question the top 10 things that restaurants need to do to not get into trouble 
instead of not get sued. I think Arlene would be okay with that. So okay. yes, go ahead. So as far as lawsuits go, um, it's been a, a pretty hot button issue lately. The the tip pooling thing. You're seeing this come up a lot. A lot of restaurants are getting sued for the tip pooling. Who can share in the tip pool and who can't? And I am definitely not a professional expert on that kind of thing, so I won't talk too much about it. But people in the industry know what it is, and um, it's certainly a big issue that's resulting in a lot of lawsuits lately. Um, another big issue that we see are the partner corporate investor agreements. When you're going to open a restaurant or a bar or any business, really, you really have to take the time to hash out this agreement before you get started. Once the business is open and operating and there's money involved, people's feelings get hurt, people go crazy sometimes. So it's a good idea to have everything in writing and signed before you actually do anything. That way it's very clear what happens in the event that someone's not pulling their weight or has to leave or has a problem, how things get decided. If you do that up front, you can avoid the whole issue. Very good. Next is getting proper licenses and permits. You see a lot of times restaurants, bars get into trouble because they either have the wrong license or they don't have a license or they don't qualify for a license or they're operating in a way that their license doesn't let them. So it's always a good idea. I know people want to do it themselves and save some money, but it's always a good idea to at least go out and consult with someone, whether it's an attorney or uh, a rep who's got good experience, to at least find out that you can do what you want to do with the license that you're getting. Uh, next is to make sure that your your use and occupancy of your space is legal. Lots of people just kind of pop open one day and, hey, they're a coffee shop when, you know, their CFO says they're supposed to be a church. And, you know, the the likelihood of this being a problem is not great, but it could be. And I don't feel comfortable letting someone open a business in a space knowing in the back of my mind that there's a chance they can get shut down one day and have to spend a hundred grand with an architect and an expediter to, to fix things. So you should always get that taken care of up front as well. Uh, another one here is to make sure your staff is knowledgeable. If you're going to be in the business of selling alcoholic beverages to the public, having a knowledgeable staff that's trained well, whether it's TIPS or ATAP, whatever it is, is extremely important. Because if they don't know what they're doing, they could overserve someone, they could serve minors, they might not know how to control a situation, and that's when things can go terribly wrong. Um, this is all excellent advice. I really, I appreciate you going through all of this. My pleasure. The next thing I'm going to say is that people should work with their communities and their neighbors um, as much as they can. I totally understand that sometimes um, one side or the other is completely unreasonable, so I wouldn't tell you always to, you know. But you should go above and beyond because the people who live next door to you or above you or across the street from you, if they're asking you to do something simple and you don't do it, they might call 311 every day. And that's every day the police are going to come to check out your place. And that's a hassle you don't need where if you're nice and polite and respectful and you're willing to work with them, make compromises, things like that, it could be a, a much better relationship moving forward. Everything makes sense, too, what you're saying. It's like common sense, but maybe not everyone thinks all this through when they're going to open a restaurant. Yeah, when you, know, when you open a business and you put your life savings into something and you pour your heart and soul into it every day, it's very easy to get emotional about things. So these things might seem like common sense, but when you're in it 
and you know it's your investment it's your life savings it's your child's college fund whatever it is it's very easy to get emotional and maybe not see so clearly awesome well that was that was excellent thank you sure so what's a project you're working on now that you're you're excited about or something new coming up that we should know about hmm I've got a good one actually it's it's fairly local too um, there was a restaurant in Williamsburg called The Dressler. Yes, I've been to The Dressler. And Polo Dopkin was the chef at The Dressler, or in the Michelin star. And, you know, The Dressler is gone, and Polo had moved on, and um, he's got a new restaurant concept that's going to be going right back in the space of The Dressler. Oh, cool. So it's a nice kind of coming home story. Um, and they're in construction now, and they're going to open later this year and uh that's a pretty exciting project that is exciting i think dressler was uh you know changed that neighborhood one of the first restaurants in in that part of williamsburg that Mm -hmm. was doing uh excellent excellent food service restaurant um kind of bringing people to a destination they might not have gone to before absolutely so that's it that is exciting and then you were telling me a little that you're working with uh john frazier and at his, at his new place, right? Yep. John's new place at the Standard is going to open shortly. I think they're, they're in previews or something like that right now, and uh, that's going to be a very exciting project. So we, uh, we've known John a long time, and obviously we wish him the best. Yeah, well, I look forward to checking that out. I think I read it's, it's opening soon, mm-hmm. this week. Okay, great. We're going to take another quick break, and we will come back with my speed round and industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to It Ain't Hard to Tell by the California Honey Drops on heritageradionetwork.org. Please don't say you love me when you do how you do. Please don't say you care. Girl, I know you've been untrue. Well, it ain't hard to tell. You've been seeing somebody new. So please don't kiss and hug me the way he wants you to. I said the way he wants you to. Hi, I'm Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Hi, welcome back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer, and my guest today is Joseph Levy. Okay, Joseph, it's time for my speed round questions. All right. <laughs> Basically, I'm going to give you a, a choice between two things, like chocolate or vanilla, and you just pick your pre- preference. Sounds good. Okay, here we go. 
Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Cocktail. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Uptown or downtown or Dumbo? (laughs) Downtown. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Dessert or cheese plate? Dessert. Representing athletes or chefs? Chefs. New York City, Philadelphia, or New Jersey? New York City. You're done. Fabulous. <laughs> I threw in I threw in Jersey there because I know it said that you practice in Jersey as well. Mm-hmm. But we didn't talk about any Jersey clients today. We don't have any. We really don't do anything in Jersey. I'm just licensed to practice there. You never know. It mm-hmm. could be. Yeah. One. It's good. Good to have that. So, very good. Okay. Restaurant industry news of the week. So there are a few things that came out very recently. Uh, one of them, yesterday, New York Magazine's Grub Street article on New York chefs going to Philadelphia. I guess I've had Philadelphia on my mind knowing you've had a, have a new office there. So I was actually expecting this article to be more about restaurants such as Shake Shack and Joe's Coffee and uh, Serafina that have open branches there but the article was actually about some chefs like Peter Superco who used to work at Momofuku how um, he's opened a restaurant there and how these New York City chefs are leaving New York restaurants and going there and the differences between the scene there and here so I thought it was interesting it is and you know Peter Serpico is um, you know he's a he's a guy who who went down there opened a great restaurant I've actually eaten there the food's fantastic um, what we what we see, at least from our perspective, is people are they find Philadelphia a lot more accessible. You know, the the rent is much less. It's it's a it, again, it's a different pace than up here. It's it's a much more accessible market, right. and it's it's um, less expensive to to get a project off the ground as well. Yeah, true, true. Uh, it seemed uh, the article is saying that. The rent is different. The traffic's different. Everything's different. And there's, I guess, pros and cons and or just figuring out what works for the restaurant was the challenge of these chefs is having, but they're having success. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And today in the New York Times, there was a double review where Pete Wells reviewed Hirohisa, a Japanese restaurant in Soho, and he gave it one star. And then he also reviewed Han Dynasty, which is a Philly import uh, from, and he gave it zero stars, which is back-to-back weeks with zero stars for restaurants here. And um, have you been there or have you been to either of these places? I haven't been to either of these places. I've been to Han Dynasty in Philadelphia and I thought it was fantastic. It definitely would not get zero stars from me. I went there about two weeks ago with some friends. We went very early, so we got in and the dandan noodles, which everyone told me to order, I really loved, and I liked the rest. I wasn't. It was. It was. It was good, but I wasn't. I wouldn't wait an hour or two hours to go there. Which by the time we left, that's what seemed to be happening. There were people lined up. Um, we also sat there a very long time, and I kept thinking they should be turning our table, <laughs> but we were having a good time. So, um, 
Yeah, but I didn't. In I, I wouldn't have guessed he would have given it zero stars. I, I would have guessed it would have been one. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to the New York location, but I can't imagine it's so different than down there, and it definitely does not deserve zero stars down there. That's for sure. Yeah, well, it's received. It, people love it, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I know they're looking to expand in in other cities as well. Okay, and the the third restaurant news I had was uh, an article in the New York Times today by Julia Moskin on the rise of women chefs. It was called A Change in the Kitchen, and it was a really lovely article uh, about women, you know, stepping up in very good restaurants, and um, it's kind of like the time, the time has come. Uh, I don't know if you saw that one. I did. We, we have a lot of female clients who are chefs and restaurateurs, and they're all very, very talented. They are. And it also gave a shout-out to – it gave a lot of shouts out, but it gave out to um, – talked about La Dame Escoffier, which I'm a member of, which was exciting to see that they credited it in the article. So, Okay, we're going to take one more short break. We'll be right back with my solo dining experience on All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Hell yes, I cheat. been your man for a real long time. You and I, we both know it's not working out so good anymore. We tried living together in that little place by the lake. But I never liked that place anyway. Yeah, I'm here to tell you why I haven't been coming home quite as often. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. So in keeping with the Philly theme I have going on, I'm going to flash back to a trip I took to Philadelphia recently. Actually, it was over a year ago, but I'll still say recently. And uh, I wanted to bring it up because it was one of the best solo dinners I've ever had. It was at Vetri. Chef Mark Vetri's Intimate Fine Dining Italian Restaurant. I was so excited to dine there as I had heard wonderful things, and it totally lived up to the hype. The tasting menu was amazing, and the ambiance and service were terrific too. They really took great care of me and made sure that I had the best experience. And I'll never forget, as I was leaving, the chef de cuisine, Adam Leonte, he actually popped out of the kitchen specifically to ask me how he did preparing the tasting menu for one person, as several of the dishes are really meant to be shared, because there's a lot of pasta courses, 
and apparently they don't get that many solo diners. So I told him he did great, and it was it was really exceptional. One of the best meals I've had, and some of the best pasta I've ever had. So I would highly highly recommend it alone or with company. Okay, so we're now ready, Joseph, to do the final question. So next week I have on a restaurant realtor. Her name is Leslie Sibin. She's the director of restaurant realtor retail services at Sibin and Carr. Okay. What should I ask her? You can ask her what she advises any clients who are looking to open a restaurant or a bar um, with respect to whether she pushes deals that require what's called key money or if she pushes in the direction of um, renting just a very clean kind of white box space. There are advantages and disadvantages to both that, that I have in mind, but I'm curious from a realtor's perspective um, if she kind of lays those options out for people, if there's one that she prefers over the other. Excellent. I will ask her that. Thank you. And thanks for being my guest today. Um, I'll just say my father's an attorney and he's a genuinely nice guy and I never understood attorney jokes ever. And I still don't because I meet people like you and the whole reputation of an attorney, it just, it goes over my head. <laughs> so I think I think you guys are, are really wonderful and, and providing an excellent service. And um, I'm glad to have met you. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. It's fun to be here. Well, thanks for coming out. I've been talking to Joseph Levy of Helbron Levy and O'Donohue LLP. You can find more information about his company at helbronlevy.com. And you can follow them on Twitter at Levy. You can find me on All in, All in the Industries Facebook Facebook page and on Twitter at All Industry and at Sherry Bayer. And if you miss the live broadcast, you can always find us archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org and on Stitcher. So thanks for listening. You've, this has been All in the Industry. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Hope you'll tune in then. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.